Jesus in my everything. Um, I've, I've enjoyed uh, listening, not to all of them, but to, to some of the messages over the past number of, of weeks. And um, I said to Ian when I come in this morning, I have no idea why I took this on, but anyway, I'm, I'm here, or we're here. I, I, really, I, I really valued this series, actually, I listened to the start of it, the whole thought of secular and sacred. And, and, uh, and how you know, we, we sometimes divide the two, you know. And the guys that are in commas full-time in God's work, oh, well, they're sort of sacred boys, you know. And then there's other people plugging away in their secular life. It's all Jesus in it all, whatever it is. And I'm very conscious this morning, as we think about Jesus in my family or in our family, there's one thing um, that I want to emphasize. I don't come here standing this morning and as if I've got it sorted, as if we have it sorted. Um, seeking to put Jesus first in your family is not a guarantee of success in family life. I don't want to cause anybody offense this morning in some things that I might say, and that's not my intention. And the other thing that I would say is, at the present time, Louise and I are still here. We're not home to glory yet. And a lot of stuff can happen in family, even late in life, as I know too well. There are still issues that come up in, in adulthood. For the, the older brigade here this morning, your children never stop being your children, do they? They never stop being your children. We are all from very different family experiences, parenthood, guardianship, and we're all very different personalities. And that adds to the challenge of family life and what it brings. And also, 25 years ago, whenever we were seeking to raise our children, to Alan and Emma, what you're facing now, you know, I just seen the voice coming in there. You know, Emma used to come to our house for, for an odd meal when she was down in a good part of Northern Ireland. But, you know, um, the, the cultural change is massive. It's massive. The generations, you know, the baby boomers, Generation X, Generation Millennium, Generation Z, Generation Alpha, all these. I had to Google all that, by the way, just to, so you know. It's not that I'm very knowledgeable. All right. um, but the, the, the dynamic, the change of seeking to raise children in family life today is phenomenal, especially in Western Europe and in an increasing secular society. So I want us to think, I want us to think about Jesus today in, 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 a, in a number of ways. I try and bring a lot of practical stuff into it. That's what I want to do this morning. That's the purpose of, of me being here this morning, I trust. But I also want to bring the reality of Jesus engaged with, with a family. He engaged with families, actually. You know, but he engaged with a family. And actually, I was coming home. This Was this yesterday, Louise? I came home, I came home yesterday after going to watch rugby that was cancelled and ended up watching a game I didn't want to watch. But anyway, that was all right. That was my Sabbath rest. Just all right. You can tell Dave Wiley, my Sabbath rest is roaring at a rugby match. Um, but I was on my way back from that. And I started, just this came into my mind about Jesus with this family. And I come back to Louise and said, what do you, what do you think? Do I include it? Do I not? So I'm going to include it anyway. Um, Louise said you should include it. All right. 
John 11. Jesus engages with, with Mary, with Martha, and with Lazarus. And I want you to notice this, that what it says here, it says, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Jesus, in verse 5, says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Here was Jesus, and he had an intimate love for this family. This seemed to be a place where he would go on a regular occasion and, and engage with them in conversation, in food together. Um, I don't know whether he stayed overnight with them or whatever, but this was a place where Jesus really displayed his love, showed his love. And actually, that's the first thing I want to think. I want to think about Jesus in my family love. Jesus in my family. Because this, this is where it all starts, I believe. Because, um, and, and we, can, we can read Colossians chapter 3 in your interviews. Um, I, I, was it Neil was chairing those interviews? I, I'm not sure. I couldn't make out the voice. But anyway, uh, Colossians chapter 3 was actually read at that. And in Colossians chapter 3, you, you, we speak into families here as wives, husbands, fathers, children. And we could say a lot around that, but I want to just focus in on the last highlighted bit of the text. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. Whether you're a wife, a husband, a grandparent, a child, whatever you are, clothe yourself with love. With love. Love indeed does cover a multitude of sins. Paul is writing here and he's saying, you know, above everything else that goes on in life, clothe yourself with love. Why would we do that? Why would we love? Why would we love our families, our, our brothers, our sisters, or people out in the street? It's because he first loved us. And we've been singing about that just now. It's because Jesus loved us and Jesus engaged with this family and, and Jesus spoke words to this family. Jesus showed actions in this family that he engaged with in Lazarus and, and, and Mary and Martha. But I want to challenge us this morning because that, I didn't drive from Enniskillen to just tickle your ears. And yet I trust this morning that as I share with you that it comes with a heart of love from myself, first of all. And to think that, you know, I've been challenged over this past. I can tell you now, the enemy used the sort of stuff I was going to be delivering this Sunday. You speak to Louise afterwards, she'll tell you. It been a, it's been a tough old week. It's been a tough old week. But what are your words like in your home? What are your words with each other? Whatever the relationship is in your family, are the words of affirmation or are the words of criticism? Are the words constructive or destructive? You know, we, we don't actually, it's not even sometimes what words we say, it's actually the way that we say them. What about our actions? What about our, our actions? Do they... Do they exude love and affection? Hug? I know there's some people who don't like hugs, all right? They just kind of phrase like this, all right? Um, you know, in our actions of sitting down and our listening to each other, 
What, what about sitting around the table and, and just having food together and actually listening to each other? And then you hear, ding, ding. Oh, oh. <laughs> go and see about that. You can't buy love. Whenever I was back in the laundry business, I was working about 90 hours a week, I used to think that, you know, take them to McDonald's and, you know, try and buy, buy that time back. can't buy it. You have to earn it. And there's a very different, there's a difference between loving someone and actually condoning what is going on in their lives. Whatever is going on in your family today, whatever's happening in your family today, do you still love the person in your family? Or have you rejected them? Because you don't want to condone what they do or the action they've taken or what's going on in their life. I don't know what some of you might have to face in the future, but I can tell you now, you need to choose to love no matter what's going on and what's happening around you and the circumstances that you may be facing. You choose love. Children live what they learn. I know Junior referred to this in his interview. Phil Emerson told the same story in FCF as he told here. I'm going to tell him. <laughs> about the father with the limp. They live what they learn. Are, are we, are you as a family, in their family situation, because of your love for Jesus and because you want Jesus in your family, are you seeking to be obedient to what he says in Scripture? And one of the, one of the key things is, is just seeking to pray together for and with your family. At the drop of a hat, for years, I was brought up. Prayer only happened on a Tuesday night at 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. That was it. That's when it happened. I've told many people, I can remember the first time I could bring you to the place where someone for the first time prayed over the phone with me. And I was kind of thinking, is this right? <laughs> of course it was right. Of course it was right. To stop in the car where you're driving, at the school gate, Son, you're, it's tough, is it? Let's just pray about it. Let's just commit it to the Lord. Is, is, is Jesus real in your family life? And I noticed in Junior, he was very honest. He talked about saying grace, you know. And um, I, I can remember one of my visits to Turkey to meet the partners out there. And we went out, you know, a group of Christians, and not many Christians in Turkey, went into this restaurant, and a lot of Muslims all around, and I'm sitting going, oh, this will be interesting. Say grace, he nearly preached. And I'm thinking, not ashamed, not ashamed to acknowledge God in the situation that he found himself in. Teaching those in our family to be thankful 
Jesus and my family love, Jesus and my family example. Paul, Paul talks here as he writes to, to Thessalonians. I know he's not talking about, about family as in family life per se, but he's certainly talking about church family. Um, he said, I want you to notice that we were devout, we were honest, we were faultless toward all of you as believers. We treated you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, we urged you to live lives in a way that God would consider worthy. As a father treats his own children, listen, we are living in a broken world. And not everybody has the experience of fathers as good experiences. Some feel let down, some feel disappointed. Some have not had the experience of father, fatherhood in their, in their life at all. But God rises right above that. And I, I know it's a very difficult concept for some people to grasp, is God as our Father who loves us intensely, far greater than we could ever dream or imagine about. And yet, in this, if you're a father today, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. When I read this, I kind of went, what? How am I treating my children? Am I, am I, am I, am I showing them that I'm devout, that I'm honest, that I'm faultless? Hmm, not so sure. Do I plead with them? Do I encourage them? Do I urge them to live lives that will honor God? Jesus in my family. Example. And so Jesus was in with this family in John chapter 11, and, and, uh, and it says that he saw them weeping because Lazarus had just died. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Are there things and issues in family that actually greatly, deeply move me in my internal, my inner being, and I'm greatly troubled? And then Jesus wept. He showed his actions to this family. And then he spoke. He spoke to his father. He lifted this situation, Jesus did, to his father in prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me when he was standing at that tomb, about to raise Lazarus from the dead. We are called to be like Jesus. As Christians, we're called to be like Jesus, wherever that is. I'm sorry if this is difficult for you to read. Um, and am I, am I being like Jesus in my Christian character? Am I, am I displaying the fruit of the Spirit Love, joy, patience, self-control, kindness, all of those things. Am I displaying those in my everyday life? Is that something that's part of my family life? Are there things I need to put off, things that I need to put on? Am I, this is a question, am I the same person in work, home, and church? We come out to church, everything looks hunky-dory. We can, we can be so lovey-dovey in church, and then when you go home, you're a devil to live with. That's a reality. That's a reality in many homes today. And I'm, I'm challenging you this morning, if that's where you are, to come to God in repentance this morning and realize we need Jesus back in the center of our marriage, in the center of our family life, that he is 
front and center in everything that we do. That what I am in, in church and family and what I am at home or work. Junior talked about whenever he lifts the Hoover. <laughs> Some of you is going by him at cordless Hoover, will you? Um, for goodness sake. But yet, are there things that like, you know, there are things that, that actually, whenever we get annoyed, we, we go to that, you know? I go to the garage, work on the car. Prayer. I don't know what your generational history is, but if you've got grandparents, you've got grandparents that are praying for you. Value that highly. Praying for your family. If you are a grandparent, keep praying. And keep on praying. Because I'm going to tell you a story at the end. Young, young mothers and fathers here. Maybe there's some of you and you're going, hold on, I'm not, I'm not even married yet. You know? Start praying for your future partner now. Start praying for your grandchildren. Your children might only be this height. Start praying for your grandchildren now. An openness to discuss at appropriate time challenges and big issues that we may face in a broken world with your family, your responsibility to sit down with your family and talk about alcohol and drugs and their use and their abuse, to talk about sex and porn and all of the challenges that teenagers are facing now, and not even teenagers, younger primary school children are facing it now. The access to mobile phones is, the access to porn and all that that brings is massive in the rising generation. Again, I was so encouraged to hear about Andy and Benji and what they're engaged in with Locker Room. What, what do I display in my, in my family? What is my identity? Where is my identity? Is my identity my work or my ministry? Or is my identity, my true identity in Jesus Christ and that displays to my family and my friends where my identity is? Because you know, for years, my identity was in the laundry. And then it moved. My identity was in BES and FCF. And God said, hold on, Sam. Your identity's not going to be in that. And for 18 months, BES and FCF didn't really exist in my life. What, what expectations do, do we feed into our families? Educationally? Spiritually? Church life? Is church just something we do on a Sunday morning? And that's it. What, what, what do I feed into my family in relation to finance? What example do I set them in relation to giving to God and to God's work and ministry? Folks, there's loads of stuff in here. Loads of stuff that we don't have the time to fully unpack in 10 minutes. Okay, you're looking and going, listen, Jesus and my family fun. Do you think Jesus was a killjoy? No, he wasn't. All right. I, I know that he sat down at a meal with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Do you think that was sort of like a quiet, subdued affair? 
Lazarus had just been raised from the dead, for goodness sake. Like, can you imagine the discussion around the table? The excitement would have been palatable, I think, in that, in that room, in that home. And then Jesus, when, whenever he was talking in Luke 15, and he was talking about the parables of the, the lost coin and, and the, the lost sheep and the lost son, he talks about, let's have a feast, celebrate. And they began to celebrate. Jesus isn't the, I tell you, folks, we need, I, I need more family fun. Family fun. I can remember moving, we moved into our house. It was literally just moved in after we built it about four weeks, and we had a group of young people f- for, a, for an outreach week. Um, I think it was maybe about the, about the middle of the week, somebody thought it would be a good idea to throw a cup of water around someone. Within a short period of time, there's about an inch of water on the kitchen floor. No, was that important? Oh, I'm a good floor. <laughs> you know what? It was great fun. It was great fun. And why, why is it a water fight seems, seems to be great fun? But seriously, um, do you have family fun together? You know what? The busyness of life, I tell you what, it has killed the joy, sapped the life right out of me sometimes. Just can't have a bit of good crack. You know, even, you even go on camp now, there's more risk assessments than there is fun. It's, it's unreal, like, you know. But laugh together. And the peer pressure from outside, what the world perceives as being fun is not what you as a Christian family might perceive to be fun. And you need to provide alternatives for your family and for your children. That they, something that they will enjoy that, doesn't, that is a Christian worldview and not a secular worldview. Provide alternatives. And you know what? For years, I brought home, bring home the problems of work, the problems from the day, the problems of church. They're worse than anything. You bring them home to the kitchen table or to the home life, and it saps the very joy out of home life. I'm not giving you many answers. I'm giving you more problems than answers, aren't I? Yeah. An openness to talk about what they enjoy, what your children enjoy. Vicky got to a point she hated rugby. All her two boys, the boys loved rugby, you know. But Vicky was Louise's problem, <laughs> you know, shopping and Barbies and all that. But find out what they enjoy and then seek to build into that and enjoy it with them, even though you don't necessarily. Time, and I know you've thought about time, talent, and treasure. Work, church, family, life, balance. I'm just going to recommend a book, not on commission. Anybody seen this book, Simplify? Bill Hybels. Really recommend this book, 10 chapters. I'm not a reader, but I did read that from front to back. It's, it's a very helpful book. Also, time. 20, if you're young today, like I, we are old, I'm like, I'm a grandfather, all right? But if you're, if you're young today, let me tell you, you're going to be where we are now, and you're going to look back and you go, oh my goodness, where did that go? Where did the last 25 years go? 
and then you're sitting looking at each other, and they're all gone. They're all at university or married, whatever, and you're looking at each other and you go, do I know you? Because Jesus also expects you to spend time together. Not to be so absorbed with family life and with the children and all that that you forget about each other. So, moms and dads, I'm speaking to you just now. Make time for each other. Make time for each other. Intimacy, romance, conversations. Gets to a point where you can't even have a conversation in the car because all the ears are listening, aren't they? Yeah. Jesus in my family challenges. I'm just going to focus on these ones here. Now there was a certain man that was ill. Sickness was in this family. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus had died. Death had hit this family. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my mother or my brother would not have died. Questioning in the family. So that from that day they made plans to put Jesus to death. Opposition, jealousy and threats around this family situation. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was about to betray him, said betrayal was actually in and around this family. But Martha was so distracted with much serving in Luke chapter 10, we read, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Rivalry was in this family. And Jesus was right in the middle of this. Seeking to draw alongside to help this family through the challenges that they were going through. Listen, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants to draw alongside you today. And he wants to help you in the challenges you face in your family. Family challenges. Sickness. Death. Questioning. Jealousy. Threats. Opposition. Betrayal, denial, rivalry. The challenge, other challenges like discipline. Never discipline in anger. How does that look like? Is it positive? Around desire, sexuality, and trust and boundaries as you seek to raise teenagers in a, in a world that is just on a moral cesspit. And Darkness. Darkness links in with this, uh, the whole thought here of, of opposition. Let me tell you today, if you seek to bring Jesus front and center in your family, there will be opposition. It will not be easy. And I can tell you on three occasions, with each one of our children, there was major opposition. One of them was from an item that came from a foreign country, and with it there came a whole evil presence that filled the bedroom until we prayed over it and got rid of that. The second went to university, couldn't sleep at night, woke up one night and felt there was a presence in the room, went and spoke to the church, and the church came out and, and the elders prayed over that room to dispel any presence in that room in student halls. 
and the third in a house here in Belfast where the dreams were absolutely horrendous. And again, we had to come in and pray in relation for, for the opposition. The enemy is real. We do. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heavenly places. If you seek to live godly for Jesus Christ in your family life, be pre prepared for opposition. The enemy is on the track to destroy family life and as, as a biblical view of it is concerned. But, but, don't want to focus on that because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit that Ian has read about is living with inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is within us to help us. He's come as the helper, the comforter, the paraclete right alongside to help you in your family life and the situations that you face. Sophie was real in, in, in her descriptions when we talked about darkness and depression and all that that brought and, and CBT, and, and I've been there as well, so I appreciate all of that. But these are real things in family life when we need to support each other and love each other and help each other, not just within our family, but from families outside as well. And I must finish. Because maybe you're sitting this morning, you're saying, Sam, all you've done today is, is pile a load more guilt onto my head Because I wish that I had have done it different. You know what? So do we. So do we. If I could turn, I remember Jeff's brother at a camp, actually, down in, in Avoca. It was, not, it was not a pleasant thing to hear. But early in the morning, he was in the shower singing, if I could turn back time. Oh, don't need to hear that at 7 o'clock in the morning, Simon. Um, but isn't it, sometimes we feel if we could just turn the clock back. You know what? Today can be a total change for you and your family life. The devil will throw up everything to stop it. What will the children think if we suddenly start to pray? What, what will they think if we suddenly start to, to re-engage ourselves that we're more engaged with church and, and church life and mission and all of that? What's that, gonna, what, what's that gonna look like? It may be that actually, you know what? You need to first of all forgive yourself this morning. And it may be that actually there's some others in your life that you also need to forgive. Remember the Lord forgive you, so you must forgive others. There may, you have, may have business to do with God today and with members in your family, siblings, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, grandparents, whatever, that you have to go and say, you know what? I choose to forgive them. Now, they may not repent, but you know what? You need to get rid of the bitterness from your soul, the 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 the. the, the the whole grudges that you have, you need to experience healing and Jesus will give you that healing if you come and just
pour out your soul to him and say, I'm going to forgive whatever the cost. Because you know what? Jesus forgave me at a massive cost. Massive cost. We need to remember and get an appreciation for what we have. I'm sorry. Why is it? Why is it you always wait for the other one to say sorry first? Isn't it? And I've put in here the antidote of praise. Um, Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with grateful hearts. There's something about praise that changes the atmosphere. couple of years back, I didn't want to go out one night, said I'm staying home, not going to the prayer meeting, and I stayed at home. And Louise went out, put on the music in the car, song came on, sang it the whole way into the prayer time. And then when she came back out, the exact same song came on, which normally doesn't happen when you've, you know, when you're playing songs, sung it the whole way out. And she came out, she said, Sam, we need to praise God. And we put on the song, and the two of us praised the Lord in the kitchen. If anybody had seen us, they'd have thought we're mad. We danced around the table in the middle of the storm. I'll raise the hallelujah. In your family life, there maybe have been storms and there will be storms. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is in the boat with you. You got that this morning? Jesus is in the boat with you. And don't be afraid to wake him up. Don't be afraid to say, Lord, do you not care? We need you in our family situation." Jesus, my response, is there one thing that I can change today to increase love in our family? Are there two things I could change today to increase my Christian example to our family? Is there one thing that I could change today to increase fun in our family? Do I need to go and see someone or more as soon as possible to seek forgiveness? Consider the challenge of spiritual warfare and do I need to make any changes in relation to this battle? I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here this morning and actually you would love prayer. Stuff going on in your life, stuff going on in your family, and you want prayer, then speak to some of the elders. The great apostle Paul asked for personal prayer, and if he can ask for it, so can we. This is a major area of satanic attack. I'm convinced of it. 
So I want to pray divine protection over you all this morning and your families. Let's pray. God, our Father, we come to you as our Father, a Father who loves us, who cares for us, who has loved us so much that you gave your only Son for us. And Jesus, we thank you that you loved us so much that you went to the cross for us. We thank you, Jesus, today that you want to be in every part of our family life. And Lord, I just pray today over every single person in this room at a variety of stages and experiences of family. And Lord, I just pray that you will draw close by your Holy Spirit and give people and couples, and individuals, courage today to make changes. To make changes in bringing Jesus right in close and front and center of family life. Lord, for those that are broken today, those that have felt betrayed today and denied, we pray to pour in a spirit of forgiveness in the midst of the turmoil and the trouble that's going on. And we pray, Lord, that, that actually the people would look on and, and see, wow, what's the change in that family? It's because Jesus is everything to that family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm conscious today that actually there's some people and you have raised your kids. And they're nowhere with the Lord. Don't give up. Don't give up. There's a guy in FCF today. Both his mother and father are in the glory. And he came to faith. just a few years back. Raised in a Christian family. Went to church. All of that. Don't give 